0: Today on Compassion Radio.
1: They wanted to break him, but you would not believe what happened. Toled was not Christian at the time. He never went to any church, never read his Bible, but in that so-called pit, the Lord revealed himself in a very mystical way, like Tolia filled God's holy presence. It was like a holy land, greatest light and joy and happiness and power and, you know, just uh, heaven, basically.
0: On the darkest nights of the soul, the Spirit of God breaks through. It's a testimony we hear again and again on Compassion Radio. Hi friends, Bram Ploria here with a fresh story of the kinds of breakthroughs that transform lives and how those transformed lives change destiny. Sometimes at great cost and suffering, in the midst of it can come great triumph along with profound grief. And that's where we pick up today. We're continuing an interview we began yesterday with Oles Dimitrenko, who's a pastor, a faith leader, and a father of the modern church in Ukraine. If you missed yesterday's segment, plan to stop by CompassionRadio.com to catch the podcast's replay. We'll pick it up as Oles describes what it's like to inform a war widow that the father of her five children and one of his best friends will not be coming home. Remember, you can help with our Serve Ukraine project as it picks up the pieces of shattered lives. I'll tell you how later in the broadcast. And now to part two of this important interview
1: we did not even call her on the telephone we just knocked at her door to be present with her in the moment when she was supposed to hear this terrible news just being with those who suffer means a lot means a lot so we cannot remove tragedy we cannot Change external uh, situations, but uh, being with people physically, emotionally, not necessarily talking a lot because what, what can you actually say, right? But being with people in this time. And so this is, I think, what God is doing in our lives. He's not removing the difficulties, but he is present in us, with us, near us, in our suffering, in the trials we are going
0: through. Oh, less, there's a long tradition in American military history of the very thing you just mentioned, how you showed up for your friend. And it's always been a very formal thing. We see it in our movies, we see it in our historical pictures of when it's time to honor those who have fallen on the battlefield. The very first report is with a commanding officer in a dress uniform being escorted by some kind of spiritual advisor or counselor at the same time to approach the house. You as citizens, soldiers, and ministers are having to step into that kind of a spiritual tradition that our country knows very well, and you did it with great grace. It doesn't seem like it's as organized or as historically significant in your country until now to do that, but I'm proud of you for, in your heart, hearing the Spirit say, this is your role, though, this." It's time to be the pastor again and to be a dear friend.
1: Yes, yes, Bram. It is also interesting, you know, that sometimes we do not choose, <laughs> to, no. you know, formally to be a minister or servant, things like that. But as long as we do what is right according to our Lord, you know, we we are His His hands, uh, you know, yes. we are his, uh, his body basically on this earth and fulfilling his
0: will. As you speak this about one hand doing this, one hand doing the other, the prayer and action are a continuum. It's, they're not separate. It, it almost gives me a whole new spin on Jesus saying, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's not that he's saying, if bad things are happening, do something correct on the other side of you. It seems like he's talking more about this integration, that if you're hanging from a cliff with one arm and you're reaching for another person around you, Your arms are working independently, but your whole self is involved with saving somebody. Wow. It seems like that's kind of what you've been called to do.
1: Yeah. Yes, I can just agree to that.
0: Describe to me your friend, Tola, Anatoly, and how he came to know the Lord as you understand his story, and why that made him a hero of yours.
1: Uh, Anatoly... It's a very interesting personality, strong personality, bright personality, and he loved life. Uh, He was very sincere. Very real, very present in this moment, um, honest and true. Uh, when he looked at your eyes, you know, he was very honest. Mm. Very easy to be friends uh, with people like Tolia. An interesting thing: like his father was Georgian, Caucasus area,
0: across the uh, Black Sea from you.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. And his mother uh, is a Ukrainian. Mm. And so it means that uh, he has this Caucasus uh, blood, this Georgian blood.
0: Is it known for being very hot-blooded and very demonstrative? Is that the kind of personality that is typical of someone from Georgia?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Very bright, <laughs> oh, okay. very expressive you know, em- emotion. You are you not hiding your emotions. You, know, you are who you are. If you like it, you like it very much. <laughs> if you hate it, you hate it very much too.
0: And nobody will mistake your feelings.
1: <laughs> absolutely. He also had this very sharp sense of justice or injustice, for example. Yes. So in his young years, like after the Soviet army, he got, he got into prison uh, almost by mistake, but it happened. Hmm. But again, so he saw this unjust attitude towards the prison servant hmm. to the prisoners. And he was very angry. And he said, excuse me, (laughs) uh, you know, you are not superior than me. You have no right to even believe that you are something and I am nothing. It just, uh, it does Mm -hmm. not work that way. Excuse me.
0: He said this back to the prison guards.
1: Yeah, to the prison guard. And the prison guard was so mad that he just uh, gave an order to put uh, Tolia into so-called yama, 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 is a pit, literally a pit.
0: Hmm. Well, we might say a solitary confinement, but not nearly that nice.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Especially, it's a post-Soviet Union um, places. Yet, it's not the American institution, so <laughs> it's yeah. very different. So, it means that it was a very isolated, very tiny, very small room that you could hardly, you know, sit there uh dark uh, no windows um you know it, it was just uh, like in the movies again so it was just uh, unbelievable
0: so like all of these scenes we see in the old testament especially about being thrown into the
1: pit absolutely uh, yes
0: the isolation and the desperation and the hopelessness all of those images that are given to us in scripture that the pit represents your friend Tola went through that literally in his adult life.
1: Yes, absolutely. And so they wanted to break him, you know, to break uh, personality, to break the feeling of dignity, just to break the person. <laughs> but you would not believe what happened. Mm. Uh, Tola was not Christian at the time. He never, you know, went to any church, or never read his Bible or anything like that. But in that so called pit, <laughs> the Lord revealed himself. Uh, to Tole.
0: <laughs> In what way did he reveal himself?
1: In a very mystical way, like Tolya filled uh, God's presence, holy presence from his head to his toes, like hmm. his, his sacred, it was like a holy land. That pit became like a, a place of, uh, you know, the, the greatest light and joy and happiness and power and, you know, just uh, heaven basically. This, as, as he described it to me you know and he had never experienced anything like this in his life and he knew that god revealed himself and he accepted him to his kingdom and he was just so happy <laughs> and this you know these guards these prison guards were just shocked
0: i imagine so
1: because they wanted to break him right but when he got out <laughs> he got out as a happy born again christian something absolutely opposite happened. And so he just said that, you know, he started to love these poor, disoriented (laughs) guards. And, you know, he just had pity on them and things like that.
0: Now, there's two things about stories like this, Oles, that always fascinate me. One is that people emerge thoroughly transformed because God showed up literally, and they don't have their theology all straight yet. They don't have A lot of education or someplace where in their mind and heart, they say, oh, this makes sense. And this is why God did what he did. And this is why I must accept him and ask him in my heart. No, it seems like they are overwhelmed with that love. And they have in some ways, almost no choice but to respond to that. But it's also something they realize their heart's been hungering for forever. And so they respond to it with great gusto and zeal. They find the Holy Spirit enabling them to give great joy and a new song in their heart, all that kind of stuff. The second thing I always take away from these stories is that it's amazing to me that in a pit where there's barely room to breathe for you, that somehow there's also great room for the Spirit of God to be present, that somehow this pit suddenly expands to the size of the universe because God's there. That's always amazing to me.
1: Yes, it is. It's amazing. It's uh, fantastic. As to the faith and theology, for example, so he's. started to read his Bible after that, and and so that was the answer uh, when the faith uh, became healthy, Mm. we can say, or strong. Uh, So there was both experience, but also uh, God's Word, God's Word uh, planted in his heart. So he was quoting scriptures, he would quote the whole Psalms, (laughs) you know, he really, one of the, what describes Tolia, he was quoting scriptures, you know, till the last days. Yeah.
0: So Tola has now been apparently lifted out of the pit because the soldiers probably don't know what to do with him anymore. And they can't probably have him down the hole singing songs nonstop. So they lift him out. What happened afterwards?
1: Uh, you know, there wasn't that tension anymore. What happened next was that uh, sisters in our church, uh, you know, were told by the pastor that, you know, we should visit those who are in prison. And so they came to visit. Mm. Uh, You know, such a place. And the moment uh, Tolia saw one girl, Ira, he knew that this is his wife. He called his mother and said, and said, Mother, I think I know who my wife is. Wow. And he was still (laughs) in prison. (laughs) So it was, you know, it's really like extraordinary situation. And of course, it's not hard to predict that it happened. So Ira became his wife.
0: Well, that's one of those kind of very personal revelations that God is so gracious with sometimes. He just gives us a a hint of something that will be to create hope in us for now and real joy. So I'm sure that his wife, before she became his wife, had no clue that God was setting her up for something that was going to be extraordinary as well. And yet he was gracious to her that way. Obviously, they still have to experience each other and fall in love with each other. It's not like they're robots saying, Yes, we'll obey God and become a family. Yes. But it must have been a romance that budded from this. And this is something that flowed out of your church in Kiev, correct? Yes. Okay, so your people came to him in prison and helped build his faith and build community right where he was in prison, not after he left. So what happened after that?
1: Uh, he got out, I think, much earlier. Uh, he got out. They met with Ira when he was still there, and uh, they got married. They got married, and Tolia was a very faithful uh, husband.
0: Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help to continue doing just that. The first goal is to grow our vision team by another two hundred people. Secondly, we've got a specific budget challenge of two hundred thousand dollars that we must raise in order to fully fund the projects that we've been contributing to for years. Things like providing Bibles to new believers in China, Burma, India, and Iran. You'd think it wouldn't be hard to find these folks, but it's also easy to assume someone else will surely take up the challenge. Well, frankly, I need to count on you. I'm confident in you and the Lord's provision through you to make all these things possible and much more. Would you take a moment today to seriously consider joining our vision team? Whether you're on a fixed income or running a growing business, your giving matters to the Lord and His kingdom's servants around the world. Thank you, friends. Give online today at CompassionRadio.com or call us at 1-800-868-2478. And you can send your gift by mail to P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. You can also text Compassion to 53445 to give right through your phone, no matter where you are. Thank you for loving us in this way.
1: Very good father, proud of his children, really caring for his children, like five children. So he would take them to the Carpathian Mountains for hiking, you know, really investing his time and his skills, teaching them practical skills. And so he was just a good man, good man, good friend, good brother, good husband, good son, uh, brother in Christ. So that would describe him as, as a passionate, uh, very honest, sincere brother. Uh, to finalize, uh, you know, he did what our Lord did for us. He He gave his life. He gave mm. his life for us.
0: For his family, for his country, for the kingdom of God, too. I know these things are all factually true, but it's hard for us to even get our hearts and minds around the kind of power that a life like that has over friends.
1: Yep.
0: I know that you and your friends in church and your family are grieving, and you are a pastor. You've had many years of ministry to others, and as you say, your prayers have changed. You're not looking for an answer for the problem of grief in your friends' life, but you are willing now to step into being with them while they suffer. So, if you don't mind me asking you personally, Oles, what is God speaking to you in this time?
1: In this time, uh, there is war going on. And at this situation, when any moment, a Russian rocket can hit your building or my office, mm. it's very different. Yeah, It's not like praying in uh, peaceful times, uh, because safety, safety issues are important. Uh, right. The human body works differently a little bit. The number one is everything which is connected with safety and self-protection. It is number one. So it's on the first place, right? So these are the major changes. And so actions are probably more important than prayers. Because emotionally, uh, the human body takes energy to the physical realm. Basically, this is how it just works, to protect yourself. You have to be all together. The moment you have to run, you just run.
0: The fight or flight,
1: yes. Of course, it's very subjective, but just sharing my own perspective on this. Yes, sir. Uh, So I think this is how the feeling is different. The prayers, theoretically, these prayers must be very emotional, very, you know, super spiritual and so on. But in reality... I have just the opposite experience. They are very dry, like mm. at least in my life, because simply because this is how human body operates. I understand. Yeah, it takes your energy, and it's more focused on what you are supposed to do yeah. to act in your actions to protect yourself, save yourself, protect others, save others. Uh, so it's more like that.
0: I might ask him the question to set you up for a. Explanation of some sweet place in your life or heart where God is speaking to you in a very tender way. It may not be tender at all right now. I guess what I'm asking is as you pray the way God has enabled you to pray now, which is very visceral and very survival oriented and do the next thing, is there anything that you sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you as you're praying that way, as you're living that way? Is there any sense that you feel like God's message to you? personally is there may not be
1: yeah god's message uh for me is the book of lamentations mm. uh, you know Understood. Uh, it's in the bible for some reason right yes it is absolutely and so when i look at the book of lamentations uh, i have the experience that the prophet cannot find the right words to express what he is Feeling, mm. and so this book you know uh, from linguistic point of view it looks like as if he's searching for the right words and he cannot find the right words because he's repeating repeating and repeating and he just it's still not expressing what he is really experiencing there are no words that can really describe finally like maybe the third chapter or something like that you know he describes some terrible thing that he saw with his eyes. And so little by little, you know, he just opens up his heart. But he's in this search of trying to express basically his trauma and the atrocities that he saw with his own eyes. So I think uh, in our situation and the times of war, when you are in the middle of the war and all this injustice and atrocities and everything. So the book of Lamentations. What can you do? You can just lament. And because there is external force, you know, there isn't much you can do about it.
0: It's true. And you mentioning this, Oles, tells me that you're being reminded that when God speaks, his word is speaking. It has all along. And if we have no other mystical experience in our lives at all, the word of God is still sitting in front of us saying, can I say something to you? He's obviously speaking the name Ukraine in that book of Lamentations. It could be named the book of the Palestinians, the book of the Israelis, the book of the Burmese. It is God speaking to wherever someone suffers, for whatever reason. And so I appreciate you saying that, that even when things are dry, when things are not any more personal than just everyone else's suffering is somewhat similar to yours, there's still God right in front of you. And if we will just turn to it and Actually allow him or challenge him even to say, if you are real, and this book is really telling me the truth, then I'm going to read it. I'm going to expect you, God, to say something to me. I have never, ever heard that prayer answered in the negative. Everyone who's ever told me they prayed that way has said, it came to me exactly as I needed. Mm Mm-hmm. Hello it's been a fantastic conversation with you in in terms of helping us understand the core of what it means to stay right where you are and let God be with you in it. I wanna ask you to circle back around now again to your friend Tola and his family. I didn't ask any more details about the children other than that there are five of them. Can you tell me a little bit more about his children and how the church is coming around his wife and children now?
1: Of course, uh, they will need uh, our prayers we talked a lot about prayer and so they are the ones who would need our prayers who would need our support uh, our presence uh, whenever it is possible to just be with them at this time Uh, it's a shock and of course it's a big pain uh, these children are experiencing yes how old are they Yeah, the oldest, you know, from five year old to not five, I think he's already in the first class, first class at school. The youngest goes to the first class at school. Okay. And The oldest um, is 18 or 19, something okay. like that. So the full range. Yeah. They are, so um, they miss their dad badly. They would need our prayers and support, definitely.
0: I would be praying to the people here in this program, would be thinking in terms of, I miss this family. I miss Tola and I've never even met him. I think one of the great hopes we have as a kingdom of God, as a family around the world, that even if we don't understand each other's languages, there will come a day in the presence of God himself where every language of Babel comes back together and is understandable from the heart to the heart. And none of us will be afraid or ashamed of approaching somebody else in the kingdom and saying, Would you tell me your story? I can imagine the time when we all sit around that campfire in heaven and let him tell his story.
1: Exactly, that would be amazing. I can imagine that too. Now we, of course, we cry and it's like waves, you know, wave after wave, one moment, it's dry, another moment, it's the way of tears. Uh, But when we meet uh, together, I think we will laugh, we will laugh a lot and uh, hear some funny stories, and it will be just uh, an absolutely different experience. Yes.
0: Well, Aless, it's been a privilege and an honor to hear you speak again and to share from your heart. I know it's not easy to let someone like me just keep pecking away at things that are very tender right now, but you've been very gracious to us. I thank you for your story and for giving honor to your friend Tola and his sacrifice on behalf of you your church, his family, the kingdom of God, and your nation. And as you said, rightly, when you stand up for the right thing anywhere, you're standing up for the right thing everywhere. And I do believe that the Christians of Ukraine are standing up for the rights of free assembly and freedom of conscience for those all around the world. This is not just a disagreement about territory. It is about essential values and autonomy of soul. And so I do believe there are some important things that we need to consider as we pray for the future of Ukraine and that we would stand with you in our prayers every single day as God lets us do so. As much as I encourage people to be praying for the suffering of people in every other war zone of the earth, obviously you all are very special in my heart because God's been gracious to me to let me walk with you through the streets and know your friends and your family and to hear your personal stories and to worship with you. All that means the world to me.
1: I'm happy with uh, our conversation today.
0: I am too, friend. And thank you so much for leaving me this much time. We will continue to pray for you and over you that God will protect you and your family as you continue. So thank you again so much, Oles, for sharing again with us on Compassion Radio.
1: By God's grace, we are what we are. We are where we are. Thank you, Brown. Thank you very much.
0: My deepest thanks to Oles Dipotrenko of Kyiv, Ukraine, for sharing such a painfully beautiful story of a love that lays down its life for its friends. If you missed any of Part 1 or Part 2 of this interview, stop by CompassionRadio.com to catch the podcast replay. Quality Christian teaching and programs come to you because you support it. With all this happening in the world right now, Christian Radio has never been more needed to bring you the truth, comfort, and challenge that we need to live a gospel-filled life in the world. I humbly ask that you not forget us as we do the work we do for you. If you've never given before, would you consider doing so today? consider making us a part of your regular monthly giving plan. Thank you, friend. We're praying God's peace, provision, and courage over you today. The toll-free number is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can mail Compassion Radio at P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. And we're online 24-7 at CompassionRadio.com. Don't wait, friends. Join us online to find out how you can be involved with its unique and timely ministry. I'm Bram Floria. We wish you God's very best.